Hello, I'm Debs. And I'm Hannah, and welcome to The Write-Off, a podcast for the everyday writer. Even if you don't write every day. Whether you're hoping that what you're working on will one day be a Sunday Times bestseller, or you're simply putting words on the page for the pleasure of it, The Write-Off is a podcast for every writer on the journey. You might be squeezing your writing time in around multiple jobs or childcare, or even just around the ebbs and flows of your own enthusiasm. But we're here to say, us too. Welcome to Series 2, Episode 3, Once Your Mum's Read It, What's It For? (laughs) Oh, it's a big question, Deb. (laughs) Although I want to say, that's not to say there's anything wrong with your mum or anyone close to you um, in your life being the person that reads your work and gives you feedback. Because I I feel like the typical idea is that mum will go, that's lovely you know, and then that's it. And then you, you, you feel validated and you move on. So in preparation, I went back through my emails to see if I'd ever sent my mum anything and what her feedback was. So I've got two. There was one in 2011. This is difficult, but I didn't like or identify with any of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> I know you find that important. Also, I didn't like the brothel scene. Maybe I'm getting prudish. By the way, I cannot remember ever writing a brothel scene. Um, I love the idea, but I found the humour very similar to Sue from Glee. (laughs) (laughs) And you know what? I I then really desperately searched for my response to her because I was like, I hope I was gracious in the face of this devastating um, (laughs) feedback. Um, And I was, and because I genuinely, when I read that, I genuinely appreciated it. Cause I was like, when I think about my vague recollection of what that piece of writing was, she was right. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) But do you know what Deb, I think that's quite brave of you to send, like, I know this, this episode is jokingly titled once your mum's read it, who, who's it for, but I don't think I would send anyone in my family let alone my mum sorry mum if you're listening and my like work in progress I think it's like there's something about family connections that's a bit too immediate for me it's like work in progress is the most vulnerable place isn't it and so Mm -hmm. the audience that receives your work in progress well like you said you need the opposite of someone who's going to sugarcoat things for you because you need that not necessarily harsh feedback but you need realistic feedback and so I suppose if you're only ever going to send it to someone who who will just be like really good well done yeah that's but that's just an exercise in massaging your own ego, isn't it? Yeah. So also quite brave of your mum to just actually be like, oh, I'll just tell you what you really think rather than going, good job, Deb. Although to give you some context, my email to her said, please be very honest. This is an exercise in writing a first draft. And I do want, I, I do want feedback as a way that would help my second draft. So that's why she kind of starts it with, this is difficult. And then there was a follow-up email that was like, that was really difficult. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she took the brief <laughs> you did totally and then in 2013 I sent her something else Deb that was a brilliant read laughed and cried well well done that was beautiful oh and then I sent that off to a BAFTA competition and I never heard anything back <laughs> <laughs> so you know when you think about it like that somebody did read that and enjoy it and I know that she enjoyed it because she didn't enjoy the other thing BAFTA yeah. didn't enjoy it. So was it enough that my mum enjoyed it? Oh, 
it's a good question, Deb. Okay, so then that that is like, I wrote down on my notes for the show, who validates our writing? Is this an entirely personal thing? You know, so for you, you had your mum validate what you wrote, but then, you know, the professionals at BAFTA, for whatever reason, in a big massive competition, didn't validate what you wrote in the sense that it didn't progress. That's not yeah. to say that somebody somewhere in a reading room didn't go, oh, this is all right. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, you ne- that's the problem when you enter competitions and I've entered so many competitions over the years. You don't know what all the different kind of like specific criterias are that mean the difference between them being like, this is really amazing what we're looking for and, and this is not. I mean, yeah. oh, good or bad writing. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I suppose it's a question of whether or not for you yourself, professional validation is what you need. There are different reasons we all write. If we write because we want to communicate, then we want someone else to read that writing. Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this because, is it vanity? Because I definitely write because I know deep down inside myself that I want an audience to read it. I don't do it as a private exercise. I think yeah. if it was only a private exercise, I probably wouldn't be doing it. Does that sound bad? Not at all. I, th- I think that's, I think everyone's different. Like I, I agree with you. I'm the same. I want to, like this takes us back again to storytelling. Storytelling is to pass something on yeah. to somebody else. I think that's one of the reasons I write. But then there's also the other side of it, which is you're an artist, right? Your form of, art is writing yeah you kind of have to do it yeah as well without sounding too pretentious you know there have been times in my life where I haven't written but I always come back to it because it's the thing that I'm passionate about yeah Um, like that really came up for me when we even started the podcast I suppose I was thinking about the evolution of my own writing life and I was like well yeah ever since I've known you we have both been writing and obviously I'm sure you were writing before that in in some capacities that's 20 years yeah so we started writing when we were five (laughs) (laughs) actually when I was nine I wrote a poem about um the fact that I'd never want to be a train driver in case it crashed (laughs) (laughs) it's a big concern is that your earliest memory of writing Deb um I think it was a similar oh no I would have been a bit older when um my mum told me and my brother we could bunk off school to go and see Princess Di, who was in some kind of parade. And I said no, because it was poetry day. So my mum and brother went off to see Princess Di and I was like, went to poetry day. Apparently I had a nice day. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Um, I remember I got asked to write a story that the headmaster of the secondary school was going to read. I don't really know why, maybe because I was good at English and I don't know what the purpose of it was, but I wrote a story about how the head teacher of school had written me a letter. And as I was reading it, my pet hamster crawled across the page and smeared jam across the letter. So I couldn't read it properly. And so I thought that the head teacher was asking me to run the school for the day. And so I went into school and like went to the teacher's office and tried to run school. And then it turned out that he hadn't asked me to run school. He'd asked me to do something else. I can't remember now. I, I did find that. it not that long ago and I'd like illustrated it and everything. That's um, brilliant. 
It would help if I could remember the the what the twist. I thought for my like eleven year old self, the twist was quite good. I was like, yeah. oh, I got yeah. that round. Like, <laughs> it's a good short story. <laughs> so yeah, there you go. Origins, origin stories. Love it. Um, so yeah, it's always been there. Yeah. So you know, if we're kind of saying once your mum's read it, what's it for? It's also for us because it's what we love to do yeah well I think as well it's like as we always say when your life is quite choked up with the things that it demands of you like earn enough money to pay your rent and pay your bills and all the other time drains then your writing life is like your little window to achieving something for yourself that hasn't been demanded of you by something else or someone else I think that's a big thing for me. And then sometimes I think when I don't do my writing or I get the chance to write and I kind of fanny around and waste it, I think, oh, Han, like, you had the opportunity to do something for yourself. So it's for your mental health. When you said, is it vanity? I think that another reason people write is for legacy. Oh, yeah, definitely. I would have to say that when I was in my 20s, my career was wildly unfocused, but I felt like eventually writing would somehow rise to the top and that would be the thing that was supporting me. Yeah. And then as I've got older, I definitely think I feel the whole thing about writing and having a legacy, like either creating a legacy for yourself or having leaving a legacy behind that is what you've written has definitely become more sharply focused for me because I suppose I'm like, well, I am getting older and I, I do want that. Is it, I don't know, is it a bit tacky to admit it? I would like that for myself to have something kind of um, finite that I can point to and go, oh, that's what I achieved with my writing. Yeah. But as well as it being an achievement, people can look at your writing and know a bit about you the time in which you lived yeah and the the thoughts you had my great auntie jessie is from the very north of scotland and she self-published a little book of poems decades and decades ago called jessie's poems they're all kind of colloquial to like very remote scotland to the point where sometimes i find it hard to understand them they're brilliant and they she's left a legacy with them because you she's painted a picture of what her world is and was at that time what kind of person she was and it got passed down oh I love that and so she didn't write for a large amount of people but she did publish (laughs) and her writing got read by people and she left a legacy so is that enough Yeah, I mean, I would say, yeah. Like, I would say the fact that you are talking about those poems now on this podcast, that's a nice version of success as far as I'm concerned. You know, in the future, anybody would discuss something that I have written. Well, that's pretty much the pinnacle for me. (laughs) So then there's another question. If no one reads it but your mum and your great-great-grandkids, is it enough? (laughs) (laughs) So if you are like we are, unrepresented, unpublished, in order to be able to get to the end, 
of your project, whether that's your short story compilation, my novel, various other things that we have done in the past, I suppose, ultimately, you have to be able to say that you're writing for yourself because it may never be anything else. And so I think you have to make peace with the idea that it might only ever be for you. The act of doing it has been to satisfy something that was driving you because otherwise, if you never get that external validation, then, well, you've got nowhere to go. (laughs) And you've got to be able to get to the end of a really long project. Yeah. Like I said, you have to have made peace with the idea that it may never be for anyone apart from you. So then are you ultimately your like audience? No, absolutely. So you are at the end of the day doing it for yourself. I think there's absolutely no shame in writing with the hope that you'll get published and that, that you're that what you're writing will be shared with others. But I would say that if I was told no one's going to read it, I'd probably write anyway. Yeah. I think I probably would too. But I think the act of writing in itself is like an act of hope, isn't it? Definitely. <laughs> Uh, amid all that pessimism it's the optimistic thing to do especially if you're right at the bottom rung of the ladder you know there's a real optimism to to embarking on it in any form so back in the day I don't know how my auntie went about self-publishing but she has a booklet of her poems published it's now 2021 and we all have the ability to self-publish if we want to what is your view on that and Will you try other avenues first? Yeah, because I think it's interesting. I think it's really interesting with self-publishing because I think there's still a lot of snobbery attached to self-publishing as though it's kind of like the poor man's route to success. Whereas actually, I think in 2021, it's a fantastic way of like taking back control. I think I've seen a lot of people do it really well. I'd like to know <laughs> how they managed it. And I think like also there are uh, platforms like Twitter and Instagram. If you're doing short forms of writing like poetry or um, flash fiction, do you even need like a big publishing house, you know, who might not necessarily want to publish something like that that doesn't, isn't going to make them loads of money when you can find your audience for yourself? Yeah. Having said that, to answer your actual question, I think it would be my kind of like plan B to self-publish, but probably (laughs) largely because I'm not very good at stuff like that. I'm not very good at, um, I I guess it's one of those things you have to learn, you have to teach yourself how it's done. But yeah, before I went down that road, I think I would probably like look for the support team of, you know. Well, also an editor. An editor, Although they, I think editors now freelance. So like you could seek out an editor and say I'm self-publishing and kind of do it that way. I guess there's a an establishment aspect to literary agent and getting published on paper route that, that makes you feel more secure for one. And also I think I think you're right about the inner snob thing, but I like books. <laughs> but I've seen self-publishers produce beautiful books. 
like beautiful books. I, I guess I don't know enough about it because I just envisaged it go straight onto the Kindle. And Kindles don't smell nice like books do. <laughs> <laughs> don't get me wrong. Kindles are very handy and I own a Kindle. I think, I think I'm with you. I would go down that route first. But at the same time, I think maybe that's just because it's such a new thing to consider. Yeah that people are only just learning about it? I think the self-publishing world is going to really shake up or is already disrupting the publishing world because because there are lots of really savvy people who are just like, I actually back myself. And just because for whatever binary reasons, like a series of publishing houses have said no, doesn't mean that I can't just do it myself. It feeds into the question of what validates writing what validates your writing for you. So yeah. if for you, the only thing that you kind of feel will validate all of this hard work and all of this effort and all of this time and the, and the life that you have that is your writing, if you need publication for that validation, then you've got it, haven't you? You've got that at your disposal technically to say, well, regardless of what anybody else says, I'm in control of whether it finds a platform, it finds a way out into the world. Definitely. And it gives you closure on that piece of work because you've hit publish. Yeah. And if something's never taken up or published, you'll never have that feeling of finishing it or or feeling of accomplishment. Whereas if you do publish online, you can go, right, well, that piece of work's done. Now I'm going to start on something new because otherwise you're just kind of like going round and round and round with the same stuff forever. There's the perpetual drawer that that everything goes into. Yeah. Oh my God, my drawer is massive. (laughs) (laughs) Whereas you're taking something out of that drawer and putting it out into the world, you're freeing up some space there to move on to something new. So I think self-publishing, I mean, I'm going to just sound like an old lady again, but like as if it's just a brand new notion that we've just come up with. But I think self-publishing is a great idea. Thank you, guys. <laughs> oh, thanks, Jeb. I've really enjoyed this chat. That, that, was, um, that was very interesting. It's been very enjoyable indeed. What are we going to talk about on the next episode? The next episode, we are going to explore the theme of catharsis. So in the meantime, good luck with your writing. Yeah, good luck with your writing. If you have enjoyed today's episode, then please do subscribe, rate and review us. It helps people to find us and every listen and download to our little podcast really does make a difference and we really do appreciate it.